got a little crazy, you got a little hazy, and the cops said there's something wrong here. Oh, here, kitty, kitty. Oh, mama's got some treats for you. Oh, here, kitty, kitty. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. You can't it's, find uh, this taste in the zoo. Ultra and PJ here oh, with another episode kitty, of the Point kitty. Forward Podcast. I uh, wish that we could say that NBA was back. It is April 1st. This is not an April Fool's joke, but the NBA is not back. And we're going to be covering a a slightly different topic in today's episode as well as the next few that we do. But I'll let let PJ talk more about the phenomena that is Tiger King and how he got sucked into it a little bit more than a week ago. Well, hello, everyone. We're all starved for content out there. We don't know what to do with our days. We've all been stuck in our respective homes for, for most, a lot of places, more than two weeks now. We haven't had basketball for since our last episode. Um, so kind of in a search to do something. Um, this is accidental, but uh, yeah, we've stumbled upon a phenomenon of Tiger King. And uh, it was, uh, I consumed it um, only because of, uh, it was not even my own credit. My girlfriend found it and was like, saw, we maybe watched the trailer and I was like, fine, we can watch this. Like at this point in quarantine for, I don't know how everyone else is doing, but like if someone really wants to watch something and when I'm saying someone, it's like, if I want to watch something or my girlfriend wants to watch something, it's basically like, one person sounds more enthusiastic. I think the other just concedes and just like, okay, like there's no real battles of like what we should be spending our time with right now. It's like whatever we can do to pass the time. Everyone I think is kind of just doing that. Um, so to say that if you haven't watched Tiger King yet, I highly recommend that you stop this pod right now um, and begin watching it. Um, I think what Ultra and I would like to do with this is because there's a lot, and Ultra, you would agree. There's a lot going on. There's a uh, lot going on. I've so, there's been a lot. A lot of people have talking about this, and I'm definitely stealing someone else's. I, I would credit it if I knew who it was, but I'm stealing someone else's idea or uh, thought here. But a lot of what is in this documentary that is like B and C storyline type stuff would be very much so embedded in the very idea and fabric of a normal documentary (laughs) there's just we could spend we could spend two hours just on small uh, ancillary storylines with tiger king so we're um we're gonna be trying to rein it in as much as we can but with saying that we wanted to kind of if you're watching this or haven't watched it and would like a few or maybe what we've done now in an effort to do this is like rewatching it after seeing everything and kind of going back through it again. Um, want to do a couple recap episodes of, of this in a, a few parts. Now it's a seven episode mini doc series. Um, you know, this episode we're going to focus on the first and second episodes of Tiger King. Um, and then kind of, you know, as we go forward, um, probably three and four will each be their own separate episodes, and then we'll kind of figure out how we want to attack the back half of the 
uh, series. But um, yeah, I think it's 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 something fun. It, I, a lot of people are talking about it. Um, and if maybe you've consumed it and none of your friends have yet, and that's who we're here for. Um, and just how things are rolling out, we don't know when basketball is going to return, so we're not really set on a uh, time press to get, um, you know, cram this in in between important basketball stuff. Um, so and let's yeah. be honest, you you and I have got a lot of time on our hands. So we not... do a lot. I think a lot of people do right now. Yes. So, um, you know, let's get into the, the world of the the Tiger King world of big cats. Um, and, uh, you know, really, I think where I wanted to start with this is we got to focus first on looking at the kind of big players in the big cat world. Because um, we're all introduced in these first two episodes, so three very larger-than-life characters. Um, and then we're going to kind of dive into, okay, what happened in some of the, the other events in these these uh these first two episodes but first we got to talk about the three main people that being joe exotic carol baskins and doc Antle. and it wouldn't be appropriate if we didn't start with anyone other than the tiger king himself joe exotic um who is for all intents and purposes uh a character that i think if was written in a show ultra if he agree with this if this was a dramatic fictional series, you would say he's not a believable character. No. It, both visually and everything about him. He's uh, yeah. He is a homosexual redneck cat lover and living in Oklahoma. Yeah, the, I believe the opening with line they show about him is... I think it's the uh, TV producer Rick says he's just an insane, gay, gun-toting, drug addict, fanatic. Um, guy has the hair of what can only be described as like the real-life Joe Dirt hair, um, mixed along with tattoos, earrings, um, wearing a hat. Has a lot of everything the guy wears is big bright colorful he's got leather tassels and a gun on holstered onto his side um and he is the owner and operator of a zoo in uh winewood oklahoma all the gw zoo which uh he has um a shitload of big cats there's one point I say 187 then he says 220 he is about 200 cats on the giant Tigers, ligers, lions. You see throughout this series, gorillas. Um, and, and Joe himself is um, is something. Like, I think is there's never been anything quite like Joe Exotic. But, Ultra, when you first, kind of as we're going through this, what were your first impressions of Joe? It's, I can't really, I don't there's really no one that comes to mind that I can really compare him to. Um, oh yeah, no. Just but as you're cons- as this the first kind of episode's rolling through and you're just seeing him. Uh, my first <laughs> thought was that this dude's a salesman. Like he 
he is selling big cats to anyone that will come pet it, anyone that will come buy them. I mean, he he is he is mar- he is in like an expert marketer. And he he actually says in the show that he's it's like Carol Baskins is uh is an expert marketer. I yeah. I mean, it's his his means of getting there, his means of getting to an end is definitely unconventional and we'll get into some of the details of yeah. how he operates his zoo but the the guy at least at the beginning um is running a pretty successful show and doing it in very weird unconventional ways yeah and and i mean throughout this so i mean just to, like the, the few things on, on joe specifically want to just you know tying to him so this guy is someone who um, we learn is originally or in some capacity wanted to start this zoo as like a classical dream of you know him and his brother had his dream of starting this zoo together um, and we learn that he in many ways um, you know one of his big money makers throughout this was um, you know his brother though was tragically killed by a drunk semi-truck driver. And Joe, they, they cover into, this is more in the second episode, but they do cover that he uses these animals. He was going around doing, with animal, having tigers and then doing magic um, to try to teach kids like not to use drugs and to keep their attention. Um, and was going around doing these mall shows and then letting people pet baby tigers. Um, all of this kind of his introduction to big cats is from when he um, discusses about when he knew he was gay when he was 13 father had him shake his hand uh, and promised not to attend his funeral and then um, he drove his car off a bridge broke his back and he spent five years in braces and while he was doing his therapy in Florida his neighbor was manager at the Lyon County Safari in West Palm Beach, Florida. And that was his introduction. So, you know, just actually those, a very, very sad backstory. He very sad, had a difficult life growing up and how all of that influenced. I mean, obviously, his brother passing away, that certainly influenced kind of his drive to do what he's doing with the zoo. But everything that happened with his parents, it's. The fact that he's having a, I will, well, I don't even have the right word for it, but the reason that he's having a um, difficult life and runs into problems later in life is not surprising, given everything that he's had to do with. Yeah, and I think there's just a lot more around that portion of the the, the none of the documentary really covers, but like just this basis of him. Um, I don't really understand at any point, and they don't really cover this truly in the much deep detail of like the origins of the zoo and where he acquired his first tiger. You know, kind of just that portion of it. But um, you know, he looks at these things and like the power and just the attention that you get from having all these tigers. I mean, this guy is leaning into it a hundred percent of the way. Um, and along with Joe's kind of eccentric attitudes, I mean, like, I, I think the only best way to go about this is we kind of get into a few of these things. So they're just throwing, I mean, throughout the first two episodes, you're just seeing these 
left and right about Joe and what he's all about. I mean, like, he's to start with, um, it's pretty early on in the first episode, we see a, uh, a few music videos of Joe's um, <laughs> in which he is singing, um, has music videos. I mean, one of the songs that's played is I Saw a Tiger. Um, another one of the, you know, he has a, a song that is um, kind of playing as they're doing a quick introduction and montage of the park where he is like walking behind patrons at the park and talking in a very um, loving, inviting way to all of them. Um, what do you think of Joe's couple songs that we do here at the beginning uh, of this ultra? Well, it's impossible. I know that we, PJ talked about trying to stick to episode one and episode two, and I'm going to do my best to do that. It's tough Don't to know. hear. Um, it's tough to hear these songs and not compare them to what we will later hear. Uh, but yes, I mean, my my gut reaction is like, there's no way that that's him singing. That there's just no possible way that that's his voice. Um, and we'll get to that. But he uh, also that this is incredible. And you'll like you'll I don't know if you're planning on touching on this, too. But it, this the themes that you see from zoo to zoo and from person to person in their ego is fascinating because obviously, I mean, you're touching we're touching on right now. Joe Exotic, he is essentially becoming like his own. I don't know if you'd say country is the right Jonic own country music yeah, star. Country. Trying, yeah. yeah, trying to be his own country music star. Uh, but then you have Big Cat Rescue that made their own like makeshift music video as well. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's what the sense. hell is going on? Yeah, that's uh, amazing. I, 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 it's yeah. I, I love, I love, I love it. I mean, that I think maybe that was when that was probably the first moment of the show when I first watched that I was kind of, I like to watch TV like as I'm eating dinner. And so sat down to watch episode one, eating dinner. And most of the time you're kind of leaning back just like relaxing and whatever. But there, every twist of the show makes you like lean close to the TV and kind of like look to the other person that you're watching this show with and be like, what? And this probably was, this probably was the first one for me. It's I like mean, some of it, it it bridges on this this component of almost parody that I was just like, as it's it's unfolding, I'm like, you know, this guy can't take himself as seriously as I think he does. Um, and they they delve into this a lot, but it's like he is in and of himself is the the king of misfits. He is he is this zoo with these tigers and has basically just built his own re- reality, kind of like he is the star attraction. In every which way. I mean, he's got... In his gift shop alone, when you look at the stuff he was selling in there, I mean, he's got... <laughs> you can buy both of his CDs in there. You have the ability to um, buy a... I got peed on by a tiger shirt. They've got barbecue sauces, lotion, tiger underwear, sex gel. Um, he's got... Um, for you him know, and her. Yeah, for him and her, Exactly. Joe doesn't wear underwear, you find out pretty early on. Um, free ball it. He's a free baller. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, obviously we're going to get into this a little bit more. I, I do want to spend a decent amount of time on this. But Joe has, uh, we meet Joe's husband, John, and we'll later discuss his other husband, Travis. 
um, who he's married to at the same time. Um, and both meets, uh, meets them both through the park, them working on the park. Um, but, um, you know, along with this, J- Joe has a uh, online internet show, Joe Exotic TV. And this is like, I did want to just spend a, a second on this because this is like, well, as we progress through the documentary, uh, the thing I could not get over um, as they tell all of this is just the footage they have from this park and you learn really early on that joe exotic filmed everything they and a lot of it was for his joe exotic tv which is a web series that he had he did a nightly show um he really sells the hell out of it calling it like an international tv station we're broadcast all these countries like I so after this happened, I was looking for some of the songs and like I went on Joe Exotic's YouTube page. The numbers on some of this stuff, even after like a weekend of this thing being out, I was really kind of or like a week after, very surprised. Low number of the I saw Tiger music video, only three hundred and thirty thousand views on that. It's been out for like six years. That's gonna go up. Yeah, I need to look at it now and see kind of where we're at. But, um, like, yeah, wh- like I don't know if that made an impression on you at all, Ultra, but, like, for me watching this, just the amount of footage that you see of everything um, that goes on. Like, I've never really seen a documentary series. Over two, doc- over two million views. Now it's at two million? Yep. That's great, yeah. So that's gone up in... A couple days, yeah. That's uh, like a week from uh, in a week. That's that's increased that much. Um, but like, I don't know if, if that really stuck out to you at all. But for me, I mean, like, there's so many documentaries that I have watched where there is a lot of times where you're just doing these longer pan shots of the person speaking. I mean, the pe- there's a lot of characters in this documentary, and a lot of people that are introduced along it. But there's so much of what they're talking about. They're actually showing you it, a live, like an actual footage of that event, of kind of examples of what they're discussing with Joe, um, and just everyone. I mean, like, but specifically on the on Joe's zoo, um, there's just so much you just see. You don't even have to imagine. I think for me, that was one of the things that was just super captivating about this. Well, the, the one thing that was a little confusing first thing when you start watching is that it's a little unclear when you're first talking with Joe what time it is. And we find out that, um, and this is a, a spoiler alert, you've already given this out, but this happened, I mean, you're made aware of this in the first episode when they're kind of recapping. They kind of do a thing at the in the very first episode where they kind of touch on the themes over the entire seven episodes. And one of them is that Joe, uh, Joe Exotic is in jail, and um, so you're unsure. But then he's he's in these confessionals, uh, talking mm-hmm. about various things, and it turns out this all kind of took place and was filmed uh, from 2014, 2015 to 2019, up to almost current yep. day. And um, but that was my first thought. I was like, did they just did this documentary? Did this filmmaker? Uh, which I have his name in my notes here somewhere, but this filmmaker, did he follow Eric them? Goody. Did he follow 
these various did he go to these different places no. over the course of so, four years and the answer is yeah. no it's just they have all these footage well it's incredible yeah and some of that like it's clear they were doing interviews of like i think every you know a lot of the interview stuff but like um, and I'm not sure how much of anyone, but but a lot of the Joe exotics is like from his TV show, from things they themselves had filmed and captured. Like a lot of that is coming from. Because even I was like going through his, <laughs> I was going through the Joe Exotic TV YouTube page, and it's like there's certain things that are shot, and it's like the video was uploaded six, seven years, ago, and it's like you're seeing shots that are they're used in the documentary. Um, it is a. Uh, it's quite something, but you did allude to it. I mean, really, the overarching thing of this and, and where we're really getting started, and, and we'll get into it more with the episodes, but, like, the premise of this really is the idea that Joe Exotic has a rivalry, a feud with a woman named Carol Baskins. Um, and the premise of this and where we're kind of leading this all ends up doing is that Joe has been convicted and is in jail for having uh, been found guilty for murder for hire, hiring to hire someone to try to kill Carol Baskins. And, um, you know, there is no short of examples of how obsessed he is about her. Um, but we do get introduced to Carol Baskins of Big Cat Rescue. Um who's in Florida and she herself is um, quite something this woman dresses in all cat print um, everything in her house head to toe luggage towels everything is cat print and she kind of serves as this person who is uh, like her husband Howard calls her the mother Teresa of cats um I thought of her more as maybe the Mother Teresa of crazy cat ladies. Um, just based on her demeanor, how she speaks. Um, like, she is only 100% about cats, cats, cats all the time. Um, and she's really out in her role in this big cat world. Is she's trying to end private ownership, captivity of wild cats in America. Um, and, and Ultra, so what did you think about Carol and Big Cat Rescue and just, like, her role in this kind of crazy world? We're, I think this is going to be a theme and that we're going to talk about it a lot more. But my first reaction was, what is she doing differently than what Joe is doing? And I, exactly. like, immediately. And this is yeah. a, a thought that is shared by many on Twitter and many of those who that have seen the doc. But the you don't get to see nearly as much footage of her park at Big Cat Rescue right. than you do of Joe and even of Doc. Like, even yeah. with Doc, you, you, you see a lot of what is going on at his zoo. For her, you see a very small piece of it. And what you do see is, to me, and this is a question I had for you, It look does it look shittier to you than all the other locations that we see in the show? Because to me, it does. It looks the least quality. <laughs> it has ebbs and flows of her... I mean, Joe's Park sometimes doesn't look the greatest, but he definitely has more space, land, and it feels like <laughs> there's a little bit more of a method. Um, 
I mean, you do see. I'm not with, try- like, Yes, I'm not trying to make it sound like you go to. I mean, Joe Exotic's zoo, and it's like, all right, that everyone has a velvet red carpet to sleep on, and every tiger has its own personal cow that it gets to eat every night. I'm just saying, when you look at the situation that these cats are in on video in the documentary, doesn't look much better, if at all, at Big Cat Rescue. That was my first reaction. And Carol, yeah. like her, obviously her uh, <laughs> her fashion sense, it, it was really something. But I, it was just very confusing to me. It's not clear at the beginning. She goes into more detail about why she feels the way that she does and why she kind of has this mission. Um, but she even says herself that, uh, and this really stuck out to me the first time I watched it, the reason that they want to that they're uh, being combative with a lot of these other zoos and breeders, etc., is that she wants to eliminate the cats having to live their lives in cages. But she <laughs> then has the cats. The yeah. reason that she has them at her park is quote unquote so that they can have a safe place to live and eventually die here. And it's like, yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's <laughs> like. Come on, we can. We'll, we will talk more about this whole. No, dilemma, she. But. No, you just you fed into the, where I was gonna. It was that so? Carol explains how people need their tigers need at least four hundred square miles of territory in the wild. And immediately, then what you said, you know, explains how tigers and you know they're try, the reason Carol has tigers in cages to provide them with a safe place to live until they die. But. Where that compares to Joe or with how Doc Antle, who we're going to get into next, yeah. how either of their parks are any different um, from hers and what she's doing. She never really covers it. And I feel like Carol, you know, maybe a master marketer in Joe Exotic's opinion. There, she definitely yeah. does have quite a system set up. But yeah, well, we're gonna. I'm sure that you're gonna you're gonna start diving yeah. into it. We're gonna get here, into the, kind of the the workforce and all yeah. that. Yeah, but we've got they, a, we've got a little special thing about that for all these places. Um, her uh, and I'm gonna. I want to get into a bookmark here, but I've got a few comments on her husband as well. Um, good old Howard, husband. which I think we're gonna cover because essentially how this is gonna play out is our next episode is gonna be devoted specifically to Carol. There's, um, that's just the way the episode is structured. That is just well the episode is, and it is um, quite an episode. Um, but to kind of segue in, so she and Joe um, have had this feud since about 2006, um, and it will um, slowly throughout the documentary we do roll out and understand more and more about her and Joe's feud and kind of the combative nature of this. But, I mean... You know, the early stuff that they were doing was, you know, there's, um, she got like an article in Oklahoma newspaper calling Joe's uh, park a roadside attraction, like trashing the zoo. Um, And she actually, you know, what they'll talk about is like those uh, mall shows that Joe was doing. She, they had hired a PR person to basically go around and call these these malls ahead of time and then they would basically do uh, internet bullying of these uh, what I saw of it where they just got all their followers to just 
send emails to these malls saying how they don't want how wrong it was to have these cats there and then the people would cancel Joe's events and they would have another person following Joe's semi truck full of cats and his crew to like let them know where each of the uh, each event they're going to um, and where the next mall they were heading to uh, that part alone just felt vindictive and the timeline of where that is we're never really 100% sure of like what Joe did to Carol and vice versa at the moment but um, that alone I was like oh, Carol she's just a big she's a and the kid, oh, there's a big theme, but she's just a big snitch. Like, she's a narc. <laughs> well, and I don't know what the right time to bring this up is. I feel like I, we almost have to address it now, is that, like, a lot of what side you and I are eventually going to, like, because we're going to talk about, of all these characters, like, kind of how you and I are feeling, who's in the right yeah. here, and how we think about it. None of them are in the and, right. That's a quick answer, but... None of none of them are in the right, but what I will say is that her big concern is that ultimately when these cats get to the point that they cannot be petted and spend time with and like face-to-face -face interactions yeah. with customers then they it is a common idea thought that they are then they may be euthanized if they cannot be sold to someone else or killed or, or something else and um and so i i don't want it like is she snitching on joe absolutely and that, like that was a hugely lucrative thing for them uh and we ultimately don't know in this documentary to what extent if at all uh, anyone is killing their their tiger cubs or lion cubs or whatever after they hit a certain age. We you'd that was definitely not something that they were going to be able to get on camera in this show. Um, right. Anyway, so that that is that is an unknown thing. Um, if we are assuming that's not something that Doc and Joe are doing, then yeah, I I, I personally think that. Uh, do I think it would be better to be trying to breed tigers to have them go into their natural habitat than have them live in a zoo? Probably. Um, but it's better than letting the endangered species just die off too. So yeah, not to make well, this too of an, too much of an ethical pod, but I feel like I, we had to, I had to bring that point up. Yeah. And so to kind of do a, a hard transition, the third character that in this um, that we're introduced to is a gentleman named Doc Antle, who is in Myrtle Beach, Florida, um, and he is Mr. Production um, in every which way. I mean, they're showing shots of him in this of like, like, oh, well, how about you come to my front door and I'll answer. Like, oh, hey, guys, what's going like? He is producing the hell out of his own segments or directing the hell out of his own segments throughout this documentary. And um, Doc looks like, and I, I'm stealing this from the Levitard show because that's how they described him, as Fat Ted Nugent. I haven't been able to think of anything better of how this man looks. No, that's good. Um, the guy loves riding around an elephant around his town. Um, and... Uh, he is uh, a lot of people considered him more of a sophisticated version of Joe Exotic, um, based on 
you know, how he handled the cats, um, his facilities, like how he marketed his, his um, zoo, every which way. Um, what did you think of, of kind of Doc Antle and like his commentary is he's got some very good lines in the first couple episodes. I mean, he is, um, I would say his corporate policies and, and statements, he's got a very refined and sophisticated compared to these other, you know, two as far as he's got a company line and it sounds real good. But when you think take like five seconds to kind of peel that back a little bit, you realize like dude isn't any different than these other, these other, um, especially like Joe, like him and Joe aren't really running. I think that much of a different operation. The model itself, I don't think is that different. The, some of the details are certainly very different. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, the, the big thing that separated to me was that it seemed like Doc w- was very much he's very connected uh, within like the mu- uh, movie industry and right. music industry and they're just he's has his animals on it seemed like every movie that you could think of that there was a tiger or a lion or a monkey or something like that and he was involved where I don't think many movies were going to Joe Exotic to have him no. come on on set and bring his tiger. No. And Doc, I think, had, I mean, they taught he was raised by, you know, kind of the family of professional cowboys. He lived with his, like, yoga shaman grandfather. Um, and, like, a lot of that gets covered. But he does, like, appear, like, a lot of it is, like, they present is that he does have some, like, actual background and training kind of in handling animals and working with animals. Um, and yeah, he's training them to be on these movie sets. So like he and himself, I guess in that way on a resume, like I guess would be more as like handling and managing these animals. He does have um, a little bit more of a control and grasp on them overall from like that standpoint. But, um, He was, like, uh, definitely, like, as we rolled into this more, like, I disliked him more and more. Oh, it takes a turn for the worse. Really, in episode two is when you're like, whoa, there's some shit going on there. Uh, The the other thing that I I will comment in this, you don't really see it with Carol as much just because you don't see her interacting. Like, most of the... The cats that she has are like adult, so she's not like right next to them. But the a lot of the smaller and even full grown cats that Doc that you see Doc and Joe interact with in the first two episodes, they are really affectionate with them. Like they are like in their face, putting their hands in their mouths, like petting them, snuggling with them. Whenever you see the little kittens, like there's like regardless of how you feel about whether or not what they're doing is right or wrong objectively those things are fucking cute <laughs> they're so cute you're and, part of the uh, problem ultra i guess so i i know i i'm a sucker but um just <laughs> i just had to point out that i it was surprising to me that i guess i had no idea what if you had a pet tiger how it would react and it kind of reacts like a dog or another cat would it is just <laughs> like it's just doing cat stuff yeah um and i don't want to get too much into the, a lot of the doc stuff i want to get into specific 
kind of things that they present with Doc. Um, he uh, he himself, though, as a character, I found myself having much more of a reaction to than I did some of like what Joe did. Um, and I, there's a few reasons of it, but um, he, yeah, he in himself was, um, but even him, like they describe him throughout this as like, he's built his own kind of world dimension um, that he's living in and is like kind of operating in those constructs. And like, it's his world and everyone else is kind of living in it. And and like in this case, like a lot of ways with how this is set up, like, yes, that is true. Um, But ultra, if you don't have anything else, um, about kind of our main characters before we dive into right, these first two episodes now. Um, and a few things that get brought up throughout this. Um, we can transition to that. No, I don't think I have anything. I mean, I'm just like holding myself back from talking too much about Doc, but I think you gotta you got to tell the whole story, so keep going. Yeah. So kind of like throughout these, these first two episodes, I mean, so we're obviously introduced to the feud with carol um and it appears a lot of like joe's television show is like based on that um like they show quite a montage of just the amount of times that he says the like carol baskins in his video is insane like um along with you know one thing i gotta point out about joe do you think joe says tiger weird joe exotic Tiger, yeah, I tiger. Mean, kind of, but tiger. he he hasn't he has a baby tiger accent. I'm trying to work on my just Simpson baby tiger, squiddle baby tiger. Keep working He's, on it. Yeah, it's not there. <laughs> I, I need I need to get like a little bit of a lisp in there. I know. Um, he I, he says baby tiger. He says tiger just like tiger. He adds like a like a, <laughs> a a rolling RG somewhere in there. I just had to put that out there. I remember that from my notes. Um. But yeah, him and Carol just like go back and forth um, kind of throughout this, but like they just do not like one another. Um, it is they, there is no inference made on that. They both are very clear about the other person. Um, Joe, on the one hand, though, is uh, a little bit more explicit and outward about some of that. I mean, you're seeing him just like they got guns up in the GW Zoo. Oh, yeah. uh, they are shooting up dummies that they've assigned to Carol. They've called Carol, and they're just loading rounds into this thing. Um, they show at one point for Carol's birthday, they sent her a bunch of snakes that came were in her mailbox. Um, what, <laughs> we are recording this on April Fool's Day, Ultra. I mean, what do you think about some of this, like, just Joe's... Uh, fixation with her very early like there's i mean obviously there's a premise of this but like just the outward just pure visceral hatred of this woman he is not hiding it from anyone well they i i'm i bear with me i'm gonna get to i'm gonna answer your question but a common theme that's brought up a couple times in the first two episodes is that 
this I this just being around big dangerous animals like this does kind of change the way that you think psychologically and that it it does really make you feel really powerful if i can be in this den with this killing machine then well i I mean i can do anything and like you just like crave to kind of be around that energy more and so it's so clear you kind of you gave the backstory joe gets around this he becomes obsessed with tigers every every we've talked about the three major ones there are you know another four or five characters that are very involved with uh big cats throughout this documentary that very similar draw and and very similar stories to kind of how they got involved with purchasing and breeding tigers and so joe all of a sudden has someone that is just starkly against everything that he's trying to do which the it's interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the seven episodes but in the first two joe is he is around the tigers he is around the lions he's around all these cats he is invested in them he is in the cages with them he cares about them you can tell that he cares about them and she is the primary thing that's in the way and he brings it up every chance he gets. I mean, he it is clearly it has it is a seed in his brain and it is just slowly growing to a plant that is gonna eventually just completely sprout vines and take over everything. And you're just like watching it unfold in real time. And uh it's kind of psychologically disturbing. <laughs> I mean, it's... he buys dynamite and shoots it in a body that's labeled as Carol. You mentioned the snakes thing. Uh, later, uh, you might talk about this more too, but they visit Big Cat Rescue yeah. and get in a helicopter. That was where I was going next. Go there, man. No, just keep going. No, you're they, good. They, 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 they go to Big Cat Rescue to check it out to see kind of what Carol's setup is. And then they're like, well, you guys are advertising. You have so many cats. We only saw, you know, a dozen or something like that. And then they rent a helicopter and fly it above so that they can see. And um, and uh, that then causes actually one of the, the lions uh, to have a seizure. So that pisses Carol off and is, you know, obviously not great for the animal. And uh, meanwhile, um, John, the one, one of his two husbands comes out and is saying, well, that was kind of the start of all the terrible things that Joe started getting in his mind and that he was talking about tossing grenades yeah. down. And it's like, you know, that's the one thing out of all of it is that it's really, we're going to continue to talk about ridiculous and uh, honestly hysterical things that he does that Joe exotic does. Yeah. But man, every time he makes comments like that, or he made another comment during episode, uh, I don't forget if this was episode one or episode two. I think it was episode one that threatening that there would be another Waco if someone tried yeah, to take I his was, cats away. Yeah. I mean, just a very violent person. Well, just, yeah, like, immediately just, like, says these, like, he is, there is no chance in hell he's, like, he presents this very strong front that he's going to give up his animals to anyone, especially the animal advocates or, like, Carol, um... But yeah, man is like, I was just waiting for like a point in this, like for them to just have a shot of him doing like the 
from like Star Trek and instead of screaming Khan, just being like Carol or just Baskins. Um, but man is like hell bent on on her. Um, and it is as it progresses, it's it's something. Um, you know, along with this, um, you know, kind of with the you know, as we're getting introduced, like we do see a lot of different people. Um, especially in Joe's zoo early on. I mean, you know, <laughs> Rick, I'm just going to call him producer Rick. Um, but like he even says that, like at one point, um, you know, early on, it's just like, you know, one of the cuts they're showing of each of them and like the introduction of the show is just like, she wanted to shut down his zoo and he wanted her gone. He says it in a much cooler voice. Um, oh, I, he's so great. Um, and I got some stuff on him that we're going to talk about. Um, but like, yeah, throughout the, the, just (laughs) every clip they show of Joe exotic TV, it's just like, he can't go like five minutes. It seems like it's a tick without just like saying something shitty about Carol. Um, but like Carol, on the other hand, like we'll find out more and more. like, was on a, a much more maybe like higher maybe more sophisticated attacking of Joe too and was like actually doing like structural damage to Joe's operation whereas Joe was talking in these very like sophomoric like kind of just surface level like physical like ah oh, I'm gonna wring her neck and you know but just in a much more aggressive manner um, and I mean like but because like I said Carol was going after his money and um doing a pretty decent job of, of interrupting all of that. Um, so kind of where we like this first episode, a lot of like this, a lot of it's just introduction to the characters themselves. Um, I got, I want to spend some time here now. So the beginning of episode two, we see the opening scene really is uh, a response to a, a tiger attack of one of Joe's staff. Um, person, yeah. First thing, um, opening scene is is showing this, um, and you know one of the first. So two things of this. First was the him going and telling the customers in the gift shop about (laughs) this, (laughs) and just goes, I want to tell you all before the news tells you. Here on the news, one of our employees stuck their arm in the cage and got it ripped off by a tiger. Um, what? There, the, there I so was thinking things. of that. Did the, 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 everyone in that store, when they do the quick pan of everyone in the gift shop, like blank stares. Well, I, so I have, a, I have a few th- questions about this entire situation. First off. Can you be, all right, if you're going questions on this situation, my number one note on this okay. is... Does Joe Exotic have a custom paramedics jacket that he broke out <laughs> for this? Because the introduct so, where he's with um, his employee uh, Saf, um, he's like console, like you know, holding her, like wrapping her arm and stuff. He's just like in normal clothes, but like they show him later when he goes to the gift shop, he's got a paramedic jacket on in like well, in line with his fashion. He's so dramatic. And I look. This is a tr- very, very traumatic, terrible thing that happened. And the way that it's kind of described is she did something wrong, 
and that's why she got bit the way that she did. But look, she had a really bad, you know, her hand wrist area gets torn up by this tiger. Um, but I have a note right here, quote unquote from Joe, the arm is completely gone, <laughs> which Saf then later says, I was given the choice to have reconstructive surgery so that my hand and arm would work fine, but it would take years to do or to yeah, amputate. Two and years. I decided, or I decided to amp, or I could amputate and I decided to amputate. Okay. So clearly your hand wasn't gone. It's just, you, you definitely had some serious damage done. Okay, good to know. Second, yes, he definitely has a medical jacket. In two seconds, he had that thing on. It was like, <laughs> you know, he's conducting. He's, like, telling people what to do, which is his place. So I guess that's good. But, like, he's he was acting like he was a licensed medical professional. He's like, come on, Joe. There's no way. Well, and, I just, he had the jacket, like, breaking case of tiger accident. He's like, all right. It's like, all right, all right, fine. All right, I'll be back one second. I'm going to get some supplies. And, like, first grabs his jacket and then, like, his walkie-talkie. Dude, unbelievable. And so I'm trying to – I have some questions that we're going to save to the end of this pod, and we'll, we'll kind of address those. But I got to get – I got to slip a few of these in here like I have Do already. It. But my number one question is Joe comes in and explains the situation – you you already described perfectly blank faces, but what he asked them is, "I can give you a refund or a rain check." Yeah, money back or a rain check. Who would take a rain check? Who <laughs> in their right mind would come back after that happened? You want to see some tigers, man? Like, I paid money to see tigers. I'll expect to see some tigers. I guess, it's but get as a but a. As opposed to a refund. Come on. You're getting your money and you're getting out of there. I would not be coming back to a place as like someone got their... I, I'm led, I've been led to believe their entire arm got ripped off. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not going there. That's crazy. I mean, I, I feel like it almost makes the place seem more legit. If like, oh, at least we know these tigers are lively. I um, guess. You're also wondering, yeah, like, am I going to get attacked by the tiger now? Um, yes, that's where my mind would be going. I personally think if I was in that situation, like, guy comes and is like, I just want to let you all know. We just had a bunch of staff at their armor. I'd be like, holy shit. Like, um, whereas it seems like, you know, no, everyone there is just like nothing, like no reaction. Like, you're like, sorry, folks, the... Uh, icy machine is not working so we can't help it's like all right uh okay like they're mostly all of them actually did look sort of like the uh, waka flaka gif of just like the okay <laughs> like right. nothing else beyond that though i would have had much more of an audible reaction you don't even hear like the the cliche normal like gasp or like audible. <gasps> oh my like you don't even get that out of those people there I know, man. Um, I also do really like the they do show like Joe, like not even really showing anything like other than I mean, he's just like I'm not gonna financially recover from this. Like I'm done. I'm done after this. Like not like oh I hope this person's okay. Like it just it clearly shows his feelings on this. Um, so like fuck, I'm gonna get sued so hard. Um, like, but the incredible thing with this. Um, so Saf, who I did find out later, so like 
is a uh, uh, a trans man. So it's like they, it's kind of foggy in the documentary, but like does use like he him pronouns. Um, you know, when they're when he's talking, like they're saying this like you know they grabbed his, like he had a pen like signed in after the accident, and then like you said like the reconstructive surgery. Um, or just not uh, cut it off, you know. It was like very much in this mindset of, uh, you know, putting the zoo before himself, and like, I want like it, two years of reconstructive surgery. Ultra, are you just chopping the thing off? No matter what, like you know. I mean, I have, I have. If you're someone that has medical coverage, medical insurance, which I'm fortunate enough to have, and someone that my job does not require, like I could get, I could get by by typing with just one hand, I would most definitely get reconstructive surgery and try to keep my hand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, just the idea of like, nah, just chop it off. Yeah, I mean, granted. Yeah, I would think most people. Joe was definitely not offering health insurance to anyone there. No, that wasn't happening. Shout, honestly, so, um, Saf. Yeah. Love, love the vibes. I mean, I think that some of her decisions in this moment are quite suspect, but she seemed like a very rational person surrounded by unrational people. Now, I know I'm saying that after she elected to have her her hand removed and she went back to work mere days later. I mean, she spent seven days in the hospital. <laughs> like that's crazy. Or I should say, say yeah, seven, mm-hmm. seven days. Um, but she was, she is definitely one of the more non crazy people that you've run into in this documentary. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you have, so yeah, soft. So like, yeah, spent seven days in the hospital and then, Back to work like five days after the amputation, but like between him and then uh, John Rinky, who then like they reference to later as like a a guy who lost his legs in a ziplining accident, um, but then was working at the park and like basically was like walking. He describes as walking on bone and like whittled his legs down to where like they had to take them off. Um, you know, those two people throughout this are, like, two of the more, like, people you actually, like, see throughout this. You're like, oh, like, that's a normal, like, person, like, you know, somewhat rational, like, kind of a, a, a morally um, somewhat in-check human that they, like, show in this documentary. Granted, John Rinky also, they show at one point, um, him and, like, Joe had a suicide pact. If, like, they tried to take out the tigers, they're, like arrest them like they had a bullet with john john had a bullet with joe's name on it and vice versa they were going to shoot each other yeah that was really something that was a wild thing yeah yeah that's just another thing that was like that was five seconds of this documentary that you're like what the fuck is going on like what yeah it was (laughs) like we're not gonna spend we're not spending five minutes on this no that's 10 seconds how like they outline some of that and like the amount of guns Joe's all that's like he was planning like for this to go down like they were gonna be raiding him taking him down like he was gonna have to like 
you know, we're going to talk about Scarface in a, little, a few minutes here, but, like, he was basically stacked up in that place. It seemed like, like he was ready to have a final scene of Scarface moment when they tried to come take his tigers. Oh, yeah. Um, 100%. So, in, like, along with Joe Stat, like, he's got... Um, so let's get into Rick for a sec. Rick's going to come up a little bit later more. Um, but I enjoy the hell out of Rick in this documentary. He is like a former uh, Inside Tonight TV producer who like Joe brought in to produce his internet TV show. Um, he has some of the best lines like in the first two episodes. Um, really does a great job like kind of painting the picture of it. Um, but... Uh, you know, along with him, like there's this uh, John uh, Cowley or whatever, the other like the head zookeeper guy. Oh, love him! That dude is like that dude. I I put in my note. Like, looked like Dak Shepard. Like if things went completely south for Dak Shepard, like that's what that guy looked like. <laughs> I knew I was gonna love him when very early on, um, he said. <laughs> Wow, I never done this shit before. What the fuck? Let's yeah, go. That, yeah. And now he look at me. High. I'm doing tiger shows. <laughs> tiger shows. <laughs> he he found it like on Craigslist and like kind of like yeah the recruitment of like Joe's staff specifically. Like a lot of these people are all former like ex, um, they all have, like criminal like uh, records on them. Is there people that are rolling through town, like, sleeping at bus stops, and he's just like, hey, you want a job? Yeah, and I I flip, I still don't know how I feel about this, because um, on one hand, you can make the argument that he's, like, preying on the weak by, mm-hmm. all right, cheap labor, they can't do anything else, I'm going to take advantage of them. On the flip side, he's also giving them, granted a shitty, but a place to live, and some money. Um I don't know. The people the people when you hear them talk in the documentary seem very appreciative. But the same like he's doing something on a very basic surface level but like is uh, the definition of minimal on every front. I mean um I don't know. He cert he the food that he gives them is pretty good. No, man. So let's yeah, let's get into that. And then we're gonna segue into Doc's situation of his setup and then Carol's. Um Yeah, so Joe Exotic is paying his staff uh, $150 a week. Um when they show living conditions, it is abysmal. Like there's rats and drawers, it's just like the water doesn't work in these trailers. Um like there, there are nice trailer parks out there with trailers that are perfectly fine to live in. This is not that. This is like run down, disgusting. This would be only acceptable in an apocalypse, which we're in now. So I mean, it would work for right now. Um, but they also all these staff members are like, so they have these meat trucks at Joe's place. Isn't like that's part of what they're using to feed the tigers is all this um, expired or like uh, essentially like all this Walmart meat 
that if you like pulled a steak from Walmart and then like decided to turn it back or something, anything that like left the refrigerated areas, they don't, they can't put back on the shelves. They have got to get rid of it once it leaves the refrigerator. Um, so all of that meat and stuff and like, um, is all like put somewhere and Joe got to hook up with Walmart to like get all that meat to then feed the tigers. Um, but his staff's picking through it and like is eating it. It's wild. It's gnarly. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's like, it's all that they can, uh, all apparently all that they can really afford. Well, yeah, it's free. I mean, the $150 like, what else are they supposed to do? Like also, so, Eric, we just talked about him, is he he's like this is a great situation. <laughs> he's like, like I believe he uses the term badass cuts of beef. Yeah, he does. He's like, I like my shit medium rare. <laughs> he was very into it. And yeah. uh it, it was it's one of the more disturbing things that you'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, like, they're talking, like, and this is a good, but, like, you know, Joe's talking about the cost of feeding a tiger for a year. I just want to, like, get in a little bit of the numbers on this. So Joe says he sends out $3,000 a year to feed a tiger. Um, so he spent about, like, seven, almost $700,000, you know, off 200-some tigers, like, spending three-quarters of a million dollars, a little less than that, like, feeding these tigers every year. They're getting like roadkill cows, deers. Um, and he's saying, like, oh, I would need 30 cows a day to feed all these tigers if I just fed them cows. Um, so he's like, and like, as you see, like, he was very creative in how he's not only feeding his tigers to keep the cost down, but how he's feeding his staff. Um, and like, but at the same time, and this is my question. So, I mean, it's very clear to me that he is making a lot of money in certain standpoints. Like, they're talking about those mall tours. Like, when they were doing those, they're making ten to $40,000 at some of those mall trips uh, of getting money. He's talking about the Tiger Cubs, which is a big issue with him and Carol. But, like, so he's saying if he uses a Tiger Cub when they're four weeks old, Till they're 16 weeks old, you make about $100,000 on a tiger cub. Um, and then as we get into like talking about the selling of these tigers and like what he's doing with them there, which is the thing I think a lot of people in the internet were talking about, it's like saying it gets $2,000, it costs $2,000 to buy a tiger. So that, I want to talk about that for a second. Yeah. I was shocked at how cheap it is. I understand it's illegal, probably not super easy to actually arrange the transaction, yeah. but the thought that I could, like, I was looking at uh, Bernie Doodles online yesterday. Guess how much those things cost? Like $3,500. You can get a tiger for half the price of what it would get you, there, as what it would cost to get you a dog. That's it, crazy. Yeah, I was just saying, there, there, uh, yeah, exactly. There are dogs that cost more than fucking tiger a lot more and that that <laughs> i mean like i said it's the the illegal aspect of it that <laughs> makes it a little bit tricky to pull off but 
Uh, you're right. Hella I mean, your awesome. your point here though is that you're make you can if you can successfully maximize the time in which this cub is growing and then sell it, you are profiting oh, six figures off of a off of a tiger. Wait, you said Bernie Doodles are thirty five hundred? Uh, like a like a mini Bernie Doodle, yeah. Damn, there's hella Bernie Bernie Doodles in my neighborhood. Then I, I I looked at like two breeders. I was just messing around. They might be cheaper anymore, eh, or other places. Anyway, wait, is that the same thing as Bernice expensive. Mountain Dog? Like there, it's that's the mini. Yeah, yeah, it's a cross between like a. Bernese Mountain Dog and a Mini Poodle. Mm. Vibes. Vibes. Yes. Yeah, those dogs anyway. are really cute, though. They look like big teddy bears. They do. Um, anyway, um, back to tigers, though. Um, yeah, extremely surprising how cheap it is. Um, now, as we weave into this uh, kind of the, the selling and thing of tigers, but I mean, first, let's talk about Doc Antle's setup now. Um. So Doc has <laughs> something he likes to refer to as a apprentice program, which uh, tends to be a lot of uh, made up of a lot of women who are starting on their teenagers and come to Doc Annell's property and just happen to live there for fifteen years, uh, making a hundred dollars an hour, working eight from eight a.m. to midnight. <laughs> Um, oh, and then by the way, just not, happened to not a hundred dollars an hour, a hundred dollars a day or a week. Uh, I mean, sorry, yeah, hundred dollars a week. And then, oh, by the way, just happened to um, have sex with Doc and then be his like girlfriend's wives. Yeah. And so most we, of them, we get a lot of this information from Barbara, who used to from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand seven lived. Shout out to Ames, Iowa. Shout out, go go Cyclones. Um, we hear a lot of this from her, but you know, you kind of get Doc acknowledges that he has. I don't know. I don't know actually if he recognizes them as wives, but um, he calls them partners, wives, girlfriend. Yeah, he he uses a different word. I think for each one he describes. <laughs> yeah, and leading up to this depending on who you're asking he has between three and nine different wives um well it turns out he he has actually has like three or four and uh i mean she talks about how she kind of got sucked into it and that um it's this beautiful like all peace and love vegetarian community where you get to play with animals and she's like well what's not to love she goes down there and then all of a sudden it's um you know i think the first thing that she said that was actually really jarring that i didn't catch the first time i watched was that barbara said that she would always love doc for yeah. what he meant to him and the time that she spent there but when she talks about the time that she spent there and how she felt about what she was doing, it was clear that spending time with the Tiger Cubs, amazing. But also that it was very clear from the beginning that Doc was setting them up for a very difficult time there unless you slept with them. <laughs> Not, it's a little sketchy. Yeah, she talks about like how like 
he preferred all of his like wines be like virgins or close to virgins. Um, a lot of these women are coming to him as teenagers, um, which that part just creeped me the fuck out. Like all that, just not to say we're kind of weaving into a few things here because we got to go to Joe's husband's situation too. But like the doc part of this thing is uh, it's quite something. Yes. And uh, you got to end up, a lot of these women, like, he's picking all their clothes for them. They're getting boob jobs. Like, he's just like, hey, got to upgrade that. I can't pay you. I don't pay any money for your, uh, you know, weekly, but I'll pay for you to get new boobs. And then, like, uh, yeah, there's a woman that was like, yeah, I, I ended up saying yes to it because it, I knew I could sleep for a few days in the hospital. Yeah, she ultimately admitted that she never remembered consenting, giving consent to have to get a boob job, which is messed up. But that ultimately she was happy that she was got it because it was just nice to have three days where she didn't have to work for twelve hours in a row. It's like yeah, and living in like cockroach infested like horse stalls. Let's talk about that because I, I wasn't. I don't know. I missed it, but. The first time around, there, you know, when this documentary is being filmed, Barbara's no longer working there. You get to see kind of the houses around the zoo in Myrtle yeah, Those Beach, are all his wives and girlfriends. Which houses. is where Doc lives. And those houses look nice. Perfectly yeah. fine. So that made me think, like, where the hell was Barbara staying the entire time she was there? Yeah, she wasn't. She was a lower tier of the apprentice program. She's in the apprentice program dorms. But yes, you were saying they uh she was literally having to like pick cockroaches off of bread that she wanted to eat. It's like <sighs> tough yeah. look for Doc. Well, is it any better than Carol's setup where she just has a bunch of volunteers who all are operating on a shirt color code promotion system? <laughs> Which she in the day that was kind of shown off that you get to meet some of the people that are uh, volunteering for Carol. They have 76 volunteers. They have four different tiers of shirts, a beginner, a different color that you get after one year, two year, and then five years. Uh, I got the order here. It's, it's a red shirt. Then after a year, you can apply for your yellow shirt. Then you got to have your yellow shirt for a full year before then you can become a green shirt. And then after five years in the program, you can become a master keeper, which is a navy blue shirt. But then there's one young person that is working there, and they in a say light blue that, shirt. And they say that they are working six days a week, twelve hours a day, to escalate or speed up the program. The and intern. try to get yes, She's fast track program. Yeah, and that um, you know. I don't think you ever really get a clear I mean in the commentary that you get during this small snippet of episode 2 it's clear that the people that are that are volunteering and the reason why she's able to get so many people volunteering is that Carol is incredibly active on social media and they have two and a half million followers on Facebook they're getting paid through Facebook they're getting donations through Facebook they have tens of millions of views on videos that they post on YouTube, things like that. Like they are, they have kind of their way 
they're using that to a much further extent than any of these other people that we're talking about in this documentary. And yeah, so, the content sucks. And her, they, it does. <laughs> but people think that she's doing a great thing. And so then they, I just don't, like, I don't know how people have the disposable income to just go spend nah. 40 to 80 hours a week going, going to volunteer at Big Cat Rescue. But she is getting it. She has people that are spending years of their lives there. Yeah. It's... It's something. Yeah, all these people are touting how they're not taking Christmas, all this stuff out. Like it's just like it's, it's it's messed up. Um all right. We got two more things here that we're gonna get into your questions, Ultra. Okay. So we got this this the, the, the exotic animal selling trade we kind of and like Joe Exotic's role in this world really is that he is the number one like breeder of cats and he is we mentioned like he's getting two thousand dollars for some of these cats and selling them and like Doc Antles bought some. Um, you know, we find out there's this uh, another guy we'll talk about later, um named uh oh what's that guy's name? Um who's the Indiana guy I'm blanking on? I got it written down here. Tim Stark. Tim Stark yeah. Who has a hell of a quote? Uh, quoting, uh, <laughs> quoting Thomas Jefferson is like, if, uh, Thomas Jefferson says, "If you don't believe in the law, it's it's your right as American. It's your duty as American to stand up against that bullshit law." <laughs> um, Another great quote: "Duh, what should you do if you're an endangered species? Make more, not less." <laughs> Duh, yeah, people were concerned uh, about if, tigers. They'd be donating to places that breed them, like mine. Duh. <laughs> If there's someone that really had a heat check in these first two episodes, it's him. He doesn't get a lot of play. Every minute that he's on the screen, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. But I, I, I'm picking up what he's putting down. Like, yeah. His, <laughs> his best other thing was like, oh, you know, Doc, I don't need to learn how you handle these cats. I need to No, you're handling these women. Yeah, so top-notch views on, on women by Tim, too. Yeah, every line he drops is... These teams got bars. He's um, ready. The person I wanted to talk to, so amongst this, like Tim's saying he's spending 100K. But kind of through this investigation of where all these cats going, we get introduced to Mario uh, Tabrue from Miami. We're just going to call Mario from Miami, who straight up was the real-life Scarface based on everything uh, – that they tell about him, they reference that like seeing some of the characters based off him, um, and they fuel this as saying that like he basically was selling drugs to fuel his animal addiction, and he has like um, uh, Ron McGill, who's on the Levitard show, like he they asked him about a lot of these people, and he knew a lot of them. He's the like one of the head um, people at the Miami Zoo. Um, and he saw like how Mario, uh, in all intents of like, probably treats his animals better than any of these other people. Like he actually has like a legitimate um, like operation facility, just as far as like things to do that would be, like fall in line with what an actual zoo does. And that's the person who was uh, sentenced to a hundred year life sentence for selling drugs. And who was a part of a disposing of a federal agent's body um, by burning it and admits it on camera. Admits that he was there while it happened. Right. Well, no, he says he burned the body. Yeah, he was like, 
I, you know, I didn't kill the guy, but like, no judges can believe that. But like, yes, I was a part of like, yeah, we decided to burn the body. Uh, right. What do you think of Mario from Miami? Uh, yeah, he also used snakes to smuggle the drugs and was like, that's how I'm going to move my drugs. Well, my first, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I have to ask the question we're on the topic is, how is he affording all these animals now that he's out of prison? <laughs> like, it's very unclear as to what, Oh yeah. it doesn't seem like he's breeding. My guess is that there's still some most definite shady stuff going on well that too i'm pretty sure he does do some like kind of appearance like he's doing some of what joe was doing but like on a high-end level as far as like bringing cats to places and doing stuff um kind of events but like he's doing it like clubs or like certain uh, that's my some of my understanding about it um but yeah, it's just it was crazy. That's like, all right, here's this criminal, definitely not a very nice guy. <laughs> but you know what? He was just super similar to all these other guys. It, it's just nah, he you know, seemed dope. wasn't wasn't allowed to wasn't allowed to have animals growing up. The second he could get out, he got a bunch of Great Danes. Yeah, that, that progression. Kind of, that was just like you know. <laughs> the gateway drug to his <laughs> and then all of a sudden it's okay now we're getting bobcats now we're getting all this other stuff and then that just spun into him having tons of tigers and and all kinds of things Lions he was i mean he, i wish we got more time with him in this documentary yeah. overall um you know you we got some time with this trainer uh as well and he was just kind of like you know i know that he's really sketchy but how great of an opportunity I get to go play with animals all day and work on his, on his personal, with his personal animals. And, um, I just wish we could have had more time. Yeah. (laughs) We don't get a lot of Mario beyond this and that. That's my big takeaway. His wife is like, they have a ton of monkeys and they literally have like cupboards and cupboards full of like baby clothes. Yeah. Babies are us clothes that are for literal human babies but they're using for monkeys which is ridiculous but that's my yeah. those are my thoughts um they're uh, kind of uh, yeah he, so you, you took my sentiment though about Mario like I wanted more Mario I was really interested in Mario um so we kind of talked about the polygamy kind of thing with Doc Anno um I almost want to save Joe's husbands for and just have it be next episode be all husbands. Um, unless you want to run through. I mean, like, so Joe has two husbands, John and, and Travis, um, who we learn more and more about um, throughout the series, kind of. Um, Let's not go into too deep, too much detail. I mean, you we just kind of learn about Travis at the tail end of this. We don't know much yeah. about him other than he is very young still while they this both is going are. on. Um, well, when they John, both meet Joe. Well, when they yeah, both John meet Joe. Was. Yeah, John was a month out of high school when he met Joe. Travis was and, 19. Um, but John is definitely yeah. older and has been married to, or he has been with Joe for 
long. Yeah, ago. since 2004, I think they say. Um, yeah. Yeah, we can just get, I mean, like, quick. I mean, John himself, in, when he's being interviewed, does not appear to have many teeth, and we'll find out why later. Um, but um, most notably about John, the only thing I want to talk about with him was his tattoo, um, which they'll show more prominently later, but doesn't hurt to bring up now. He's a tattoo on his uh, lower abdomen uh, near his crotchal region that says property of Joe Exotic on it. Yep, I had that as a question um, and also as a more broad question. Why is he not wearing a shirt at all during this no, entire does not like filming? Not He's wearing a shirt in almost every other like scenario while filming what's going on with the park and at no point during the confessional is he wearing a shirt uh (laughs) but um we we unbelievable i'd forgotten about the tattoo and then i rewatched this episode today saw it again and was like oh my god i forgot about that this is something that we need to resurface when we talk about john more a few episodes from now <laughs> yeah and travis basically you know he's a so the most Cali like skater bro dude also like ju- huge as shit he's like giant six six reminded I mean, me he, of a reminded me of our friend pat a little bit dude damn it you said i exactly my thought exactly my <laughs> thought i went to i was waiting to ask you that you beat me to yes i was like in some ways i was like <laughs> he's the first a time I saw him running, he was like, there's one scene where he's running in this video, and I'm just like, is that bad? <laughs> yeah. He ends no, up, I mean, like, like, later you see it, like, he's, gets, like, he's really, like, jacked, like, I think from, like, work on the farm or whatever, but, like, in, like, the initial video they, like, show of him, like, it's, like, kind of like a, a mock interviewee thing or whatever with him and uh joe like joe exotics interviewing him but that i was like holy crap that's our friend pat um so funny yeah um (laughs) and i just wanted to bring up the joe exotic question to travis of like the how straight are you questioning us well when you watch porn do you like it when there's the (laughs) the most like the guy with the small penis or the guy with the big one having sex with the girl it's like uh, the guy with the like big one is. Well, I guess you can't be that straight after all. And like, <laughs> if that worked, like, good for Joe. Like, good for Joe Exotic. <laughs> Quite a wide. Like, get you know, I guess gay recognize gay like that. Like, we'll get it a wide, but like, even just that simple logic, whatever, somehow worked. Because in episode two, we see the marriage of Travis getting, you know a part of a three-way marriage then between Joe and Travis and John. Yep. All wearing Quite bright, bright pink, beautiful shirts. Beautiful. Uh, the photos they show of just like all of the three of them too are something of just pure art. It's really something. Yep. Um, I have one more. I have two notes that I missed. They're related to Doc Antle, um, and then we're gonna go into your your questions, Ultra. First, okay. Maybe these, maybe these. Doc Antle's charging three thirty nine to get in this place is like a starting price. People are paying like six hundred fifty five dollars for a tour. 
My question with that, though, is they show a little bit later in the second episode <laughs> a guy who I can only describe as Softball Dad because he's wearing a shirt that says Softball Dad on it. He's fucking jacked about these tigers. His favorite animal. It's like his wife and clearly his daughter. I feel bad for them. And especially the daughter because it's probably her future college savings. He's spending, going there multiple times a week, paying. He's like, I'll pay whatever they want. I just want to see the tigers. When else can you hold the tiger? Like... <laughs> I was like, holy you know, shit. Like, and so I was like, who's paying that? And they immediately showed me who's paying that. I was like, holy shit, why are you paying that? You're softball well, dad. He says this talking to the camera, and then it also shows him in line, and he's telling the cashier, oh, yeah, yeah I was here on Tuesday. Or was Sunday. And, and he's like, yeah, I was here on Sunday. And the cashier's just like, oh, that's great. And I, and I know in my head I'm thinking, like, that ca- that cashier thinks he is a fucking lunatic. Like, how this this man, like, let's say it's on the low end. He dropped $300. Let's just call it 300 for the ease of math. $300 for him and two other people twice. 1800 bucks he spent to go there two separate days. And it's probably closer, and it's probably in excess of $3,000. It looked busy. So <laughs> I I it makes sense to me like zoos are not cheap even if you just go to like if I go to the Como Zoo in Minneapolis like you're you're going to spend you know you're spending like 25 30 bucks probably. Um I don't know for sure. I've not been there for a few years. I think that's probably about right. And which I would not consider cheap. It's more than you'd spend to go to a movie. It's like twice you'd spend to go to a movie. But to spend, and I would expect if you get to go literally play with these animals, you're going to spend more. $600 seems insane to me. And this is in, this is in South Carolina. Uh, It is in Myrtle Beach. It is in a bigger city in South Carolina. But by no means is it in like a top 30 city by metro population in the U.S. And so this, they're charging $600. Like, I'm, I'm just saying that it's one thing if you're charging $600 for an exotic zoo in Manhattan. They're charging this in buttfuck nowhere, essentially. Like, not actually buttfuck nowhere, but they're charging this. Uh, I The economics of it, I, I just do not understand. Yeah. Um, Shout out yeah. to Doc, Doc Business appears to be booming though so they're doing something right all right man let's hear these questions and let's see if i can answer any of them okay so the the first we we've hit on quite a few of these um i think you wanted to touch on this but i I had to ask how did the 12 year old magician's parents allow him to teach joe exotic magic (laughs) i did miss this yeah (laughs) That kid, that guy, yeah, Joe's, like, kind of magic show, like, his traveling. He learned from a 12-year-old. Um, I think he did it because the kid, the guy says that, like, Joe would trade learning tricks, magic tricks from him when he was 12, when he was in eighth grade, and Joe would supply him with tigers to use during his magic shows, which, like, if you were in eighth grade and you did, like, a talent show and the, like one of your classmates walked out with a baby tiger, you'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, quick aside about this is that... This all we talked about his, the sad passing of his brother, and then he transitioned. Joe transitioned to wanting to speak out against alcohol, drugs, etc. By having, uh, 
what's the right word? He would go to schools and have like uh, an assembly and talk about it. Yeah. And couldn't get their attention, so then he brought in cats. Couldn't get their attention, and then he brought in magic. And that that was another aha for me that I was like, whoa, like this shows this documentary is amazing. Who is this guy? Yeah. When he starts doing magic. Second question, PJ. Why is Joe so comfortable riding in a four-wheeler during a tornado? It was Joe Exotic, baby. <laughs> like... You he's gonna shoot. He's got enough ammunition to shoot at the the tornado. I guess he could go a different way. He would. He seems like the kind of guy that would shoot bullets at a tornado. Well, we. If I had a dollar for every bullet that I saw hit the water in the seven episodes <laughs> of this documentary, I would be a rich man because they spend more time shooting at water <laughs> than they do damn near anything else. <laughs> coo coo coo, just splashing in the water. It's like what, like. No wonder why Joe has to go buy more ammunition like every episode. It's like yeah. they spend half the episode shooting at nothing. Anyway. And he can't pay his employees because all of the money he's making from these is just going to buying guns and more dynamite. <laughs> they, if they brought in a consultant, just you know, there, there's an episode of Parks and Rec where Tom, uh, <laughs> Tom and John Ralphio bring in yeah. um, Ben to look at how they're spending money and he's like oh yeah you're buying you're giving out ipads to everyone and you're paying your receptionist a hundred thousand dollars a year i honestly think that you could see more drastic uh recommendations if you brought a version of ben into this zoo to be like you guys know you're you're spending you're wanting to up the salary or provide health care to your workers maybe stop spending one million dollars a year on ammunition and dynamite <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't Joe, know what they're doing. I'm noticing this budget item. I think we remove all of it. You could pay your, you could, yeah, pay to fix those trailers at least for your uh, employees. Joe, it seems like your budget to explode fake dolls with Carol, Carol. written on the forehead <laughs> is around two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month. Let's try to bring that down to ten thousand dollars a month, and your business is gonna fly. <laughs> anyway. Third question, what is, how do you become a doctor in mystical science? Oh, that's so, yeah, no, he's, no, no, yeah, he's not. <laughs> I need he's to, not I need, I need to do some, some research on that one and see what that is all about, but he is, he calls himself a doctor, so. Yeah, I, everything I put in him with about that, I just put doctors in quotations for all my notes. And my last, the last question I have is, we talked about the marriage there at the end. Are they all married to one another? Or uh, is it just... This is a good question. Is it just Joe that's married individually to John and Travis? I believe it is more of a situation where, although somewhat of a... Tri- like, if we're doing an org chart, both <laughs> John and Travis... Arrows only report up to Joe. There's no co. Yeah. All right. I believe in the Joe Exotic marriage org chart. It is just CEOs Joe and then each husband directly to him. There's no kind of cross department um, responsibilities there. Okay. That's I it. don't, yeah, and I don't know. I it doesn't I didn't necessarily get the yeah the, the sense of vibe. There'd be like any 
Joe Exotic, like, three ways going on or anything. It was all three right. of them. That's the vibe I got, too, but I had to ask. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Um, so those are your questions? Those are my questions. All right. So we're going to close this episode out with a few fun facts. Um, I want to shout out uh, specifically. So there's a writer um, for New York Magazine, uh, Robert Moore, who has his own podcast. Um, so he is, and we'll get into kind of more about where he falls in this, but he, independent of this, was also um, following Joe Exotic, covering Joe Exotic's story. Um, they has a podcast called Joe Exotic Tiger King. Um, he's really following more on, like, the Carol Joe feud and some of, like, their workings. But he, like, after this was released, went to Twitter. He had a lot of fun facts. I wanted to bring a few of them. Um, up because I thought they were pretty interesting and relevant, so like in ties with this episode. Um, the first being we were talking about Joe's music career, and Ultra, you alluded to you did not think it was all it was him singing. I spent the entire first time watching this being like, How is this him? and find out that like because just Joe's voice and this music does not make sense. Like, this guy is a musical savant if he actually. <laughs> can produce that, like, country voice with how he actually sounds. Turns out that Joe did not write or sing any of those songs. It was in, There was a band called uh, the Clinton Johnson Band. Um, Joe just sang softly over the top of the vocal tracks, but um, it wasn't actually him singing in any of those songs. Um there's a guy, one of the guys in the van said, um, and there's an episode, I guess, in um, this Robert Moore podcast where he interviews him. And basically he says that Joe Exotic didn't even tell um, this band member, Vince Johnson, that he'd be pretending to sing the songs at first. Um, he just asked him to write songs for his park or whatever, and Joe paid him, evidently, but then pretended as though he sang them himself. Um, are you, as your bubble bursted? I just was so convinced of it. It's Songs still not... slap though. I mean, I will say that. Oh, agreed. Top three, like top three country artists I enjoy for sure. Um, another interesting fact. He's also, on, he's on Spotify folks. Clinton Johnson band. No, uh, Joe exotic. Yep. Damn. I wonder how he worked those licensing agreements for those songs. Um, so there's another fact I thought was funny. So there's a part where they're going through the gift shop, and like Joe mentions, he's in like the Hollywood. Uh, he said he's been on the on the cover of Hollywood magazine twice, and he shows that that picture of him in that. Ma- he holds up that magazine. Do you remember that ultra? I do. So, in fact, so it was actually a publication called the Hollywood Weekly, and he was on the cover of it twice. This magazine, however, is one of those that you um, pay the magazine, and they will write a nice article about you and put your photo on the cover. I did not know that. So... Hollywood Magazine and Hollywood Weekly are two different things. He was on the cover of Hollywood Weekly, 
in that publication is a lot of it. And, and some other folks that have been on this, um, a guy named Martino Carter or Cartier, uh, <laughs> granting wishes every day. Uh, is what the cover says from February of 2015. Don't know what that means. He might be a magician himself. Um, there's <laughs> Hollywood's next big star, Eugene Mosley, Las Vegas Walk Star Hall of Fame. Something about that. There's some pot moms. And then there's a guy, John Michael Ferrari, singing poet songwriters, other people who have been on the cover of Hollywood Weekly. Um, so there's that fun fact. So if you wow. want us to write a nice coverage uh, on us, we can pay the same publication, Ultra. Good to know. Last I'll keep that in my uh, back pocket. We got two more facts here. Um, so Rick Kirkman, who we're going to talk about more later in this, but before meeting Joe, he actually so he was on the. They showed some of it of him on Inside Edition doing some television. But he actually also released a film in 2006 um, that he made about his addiction to crack cocaine. Um, and he had essentially he had filmed his life every day with a video camera since he was, since he was 14 um, and based a lot of the video material in the story about his life that he used in the documentary. So a kindred spirit with Joe Exotic of you know, the idea of filming everything you're doing at all times, um, which I, I could see where Rick saw the benefit of that from his own work and then thought, well, this guy is even crazier than I am. So I found that interesting. Bro. Agreed. Um, last fact uh, about, um, we talked about John and Travis a little bit, but before Joe married either of them, his first marriage was to a guy uh, named J.C. Hartpence. Um, and J.C. Hartpence later served time in prison for molesting a young girl and is now serving life in prison for first-degree murder. I could not figure out if uh, at any point um, if he was in the same jail as Joe because it would be nice if they could you know, meet up again. Um, something tells me it's a uh, slightly different, <laughs> different prison setup, se- se- uh, different severity of jail that they would be in. But dude, um, so the only, I'm would probably have a more extreme of a reaction had I not seen this already, but unbelievable. I mean, this guy, we are going to talk more about the marriage situation with Joe. Yeah. Probably in episode four. Um, so I'll save my comments until then, but wow, is what I have to say. So, um, that kind of concludes our our wrap of these first two episodes where we leave in the second episode. If you haven't watched and you want to get ahead, watch episode three. But if you have watched episode two already, you see where the loot that where they kind of concluded of a major loot, uh, uh, Everyone is alluding to the fact that people believe that Carol has... Uh, so Carol has a missing husband from earlier before um, her current husband. And many people have the, the strong belief that Carol is responsible for her husband going missing and that he she murdered her husband. 
Um, and I think basically next episode is going to be completely about us debunking and determining if Carol killed her husband or not, allegedly. Yeah, if we, uh, I, I'm excited to rewatch that one and I, I will be ready with my takes, Beach. Well, Ultra, until then, you stay cool, you cat. <laughs> <laughs> I will stay cool, my kitten. We'll, uh, <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, it's, uh, that's okay. We're, we're just getting, we're still transitioning to, uh, rebranding to a documentary pod guys we, we are going to be a documentary pod now because we're Please. after this we're probably going to cover the last dance of the chicago bulls that espn moved up to april 19th so we're converting from a basketball pod to a documentary pod docu-series pod um but this i am excited to do the rest of these this is a all the documentary that is laid down Tell them that Other the tiger as as things, needs things a little bit of love. This is captivating a lot of Let them run to the Ah, uh, there you go. So Let them roam uh, their land. We appreciate everyone. Then listening. stand back and marvel. What a beautiful cat. Cause I saw a tiger. Now I understand. I saw a tiger.